Okay, we're live. Isn't that fun? Demetrius, how you doing, pal? I am feeling great. How about yourself? You know, uh, it's a nice, beautiful Tuesday, and I actually am thinking about putting on my AC today. How uh, how hot is it up in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably going to touch eighty, uh, it's, and it's definitely been very humid. It's been stormy, so yeah, for the first time, I just it's that time of year where I kick on the AC one day, and then the next day it drops down, and I've got to yeah. But um, eighty-five degrees in Madison today. Wow. This begins the uh, you know the the three-month stretch in Minnesota. That's livable. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Mike is like, Mike is like, what the hell are you guys whining about 85? It's 100. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in South Texas, homie. So it's a little, we we ha- we take heat a little differently, but at the same time, we take cold a little differently. So when it gets below 70, it's cold in South Texas. I'm just going to leave it at that. So Yeah. Well, I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm playing the long game. The way I look at it is that uh, with with uh, you know with the gradual climate change, I figure in like 800 years my house value is going to be way up. So I'm just sitting back. So you guys might want to make friends with me now because down the road you'll be collecting. Want to live in Robbinsdale? What's that? Yeah. Said so you'll you'll be swimming in it, my man. That's right. I'm, I'm yeah. banking on AI extending my conscious life quite a ways. So <laughs> anyway, okay. What are we talking about? Um, Why are we? Yeah. Well, I kind of want to parse what you just said. You guys should become friends with me. Uh, are, are you saying we're not friends? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, you might want to think about that when you're passing out those uh, onboard sports where, uh, what do we got? What do you got uh, new on the uh, the Jersey side? To the queued up ones. Yeah. Yeah. looks good. As always, yeah, these, are, uh, these are nice. Yeah, these are the nice ones. I think I, you know what, Demetrius. I think you should reach out to uh, your students and see which ones are going to be interested in Minnesota pool boot camp jersey. Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you, it's actually kind of cool. So uh, I'll plug the boot camp real quick. Three day training. So uh, at mnpoolbootcamp.com, minnesotapoolbootcamp.com. Uh, I've had a, a lot of students come and train with me, and actually, uh, six of them that have already trained with me. Uh, are coming back to Minnesota this August. We're going to do a refresher where I'm not going to be teaching them as much new stuff. Uh, we're just going to be drilling and training and actually like practicing and just drilling. And, and it's going to be fun, man. Just kind of a refresher. I mean, of course, we'll revisit stuff, make sure that, you know, if I if I see any areas that they haven't developed that we were talking about developing, I'll, I'll bring that back up and we'll work that into our training. But uh, it'll be fun, man. I'm looking. So it's, it's kind of cool. You know, once uh, people have trained with me, a lot of these guys, uh, we, we have this private Facebook training group where we get to do ongoing discussions and panel reviews and video reviews, and we get a little good community here going. So it's going to be good to see some of those guys again. So for those who have trained with me, thank you. Thank you for coming out. It's been a true, total blast. And for those that are interested, check it out at mnpoolbootcamp.com. How you doing, what Patrick? Know yeah. is where is, where's my invite? I was one of your previous students. I never got an invite to it. That's Yeah, cool. yeah. I'll, 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 I'll worry I'll about keep... that. No, that's cool. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> we see where you are in the uh in the totem pole nate that's right yeah i'm down in peasantville you know what can you do <laughs> all right well <clears throat> let's talk some pool wants to talk some pool who's excited let's for this? do it i'm excited to talk some pool all right let's talk about um we have a wpa sighting how fun is that guys the wpa decided that they were going to uh come down from their ivory tower and uh, bless all of us lovely peasants with their presence. And it was great. So uh, in case you haven't been uh, around Facebook, Darren Appleton was suspended for an event. Um, it's possible he would have made the Moscone, or not, not the, uh, the World Pool Masters, which we'll talk about later on, but he didn't. 
And part of the reason why he didn't was because he was uh, on a temporary ban. So going into the backstory, and you guys actually don't uh, know all of this stuff, or maybe you don't know all the details, who knows? Uh, so you guys are learning this in live time, so we're going to get your, uh, I guess, reactions in live time. Darren Appleton was up 7-2, to maybe like 2 or something like that against Josh Filler, and then 10-7. to seven. Uh, he was up big twice, and he ended up losing the match uh, 11 to 10. And uh, he did not appreciate some of the things that Joshua did, especially on the game-winning nine ball. Uh, put him on a little bit of tilt. And after the match, he uh, went off. And while he was kind of stewing, and to be honest, um, I mean, love you, Darren, probably uh, pouting and just kind of being angry that he lost the match. He was randomly selected to take a drug test. Now, normally this is not the biggest of deals, but he was randomly selected to take a drug test in Vegas that he just left seven days prior. So you're telling me that Darren Appleton needs to be tested twice in a week. Um, sure, whatever. It's random, right? Theoretically, this could happen. Whatever. Not a big deal. Random. Some people have never been selected. They've been playing the game for 20 years. Again. Random, whatever. From there, um, Darren gets very, very angry at the person who is randomly drug testing him. He's on tilt. Um, he's kind of sulking. And he is, um, I guess, essentially, he's blowing up. <laughs> uh, he tells basically the guy who is uh, there to enforce his random drug test, basically to F off don't talk to me. Now he's not saying don't talk to me in a sense of like, I'm not taking your stupid drug test uh, because he, he's taking it. He just doesn't want to make small chat with the dude while he's waiting to take his test. Cause if you go back and look at that match, I believe at 10, nine, Joshua, uh, Josh actually took a timeout. So during that timeout, Darren said he went to the bathroom and went to the bathroom. So you have to kind of pee in a cup to uh, take a drug test. He just peed 20 minutes prior. So, uh, he doesn't have to go, he doesn't have to use the restroom. And basically he's sitting around drinking water until he has to use the restroom during which the guy wants to talk to him. Darren's basically telling him to F off. Um, on top of that, uh, he made a comment towards one of the matchroom, uh, people who was kind of laughing at the situation or Darren believes that he is laughing at the situation since then, uh, it has come out to whether or not he actually was laughing at Darren or whether he was laughing at something else. He doesn't really know the fact that Darren is just pissed off and doesn't like the idea that this matchroom employee is laughing uh, potentially at his situation and basically tells the the matchroom person to wipe the smirk off of his face. Definitely should not be saying stuff like that. So uh, I love Darren. So he tell so basically what he does is he tells the guy uh, he tells the guy who has to do enforce the drug test basically don't effing talk to me I'm not trying to talk to you right now and then he tells a matchroom uh, employee to wipe the smirk off of your face so that is essentially on top of you know just kind of being a pissant in the moment all right he's not happy and he's letting it be known to just leave him alone all right. So that is essentially what Darren does wrong. Uh, Demetrius, well, let, let me, I guess, let me go, let me go through the story a little bit more and ex exactly what happens. So essentially what happens is uh, he is reported to the WPA 
And the WPA basically tells Darren that we are going to look into the situation. And until we make a decision on this, you will no longer be allowed to play in any WPA sanctioned events. The only one that happened is a invite only tournament, the uh, Whirlpool Masters, and he cannot play in it. So he never got an invite. Maybe he would have gotten an invite. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten an invite. It's kind of hard to say. They did have two last second uh fill-ins that were needed where mika and mario he got plus they had a couple wild cards that they had not announced who knows whether he would have gotten one or not i i don't i i have no idea so he cannot play in that now he's trying to find out if he can play in the uk open he still does not totally know if he can he's pretty sure he can but the idea is the wpa goes off and four five six days later he already has he already has confirmation that he has won he loses 25% of his winnings. Now, this is important. This is very important. This is not a detail I want to like just lightly brush over. The email, the email states that he loses 25% of his winnings. Now, he won $6,000. So that's $1,500. He had a fine of $1,500. Are you telling me that if he'd have won, if he'd have snapped the tournament off and it'd have been $16,000, that he would have been fined $15,000? Because that's what 25% means. If he'd have made, uh, I thought it was capped. I could have sworn I'm. I, the I email does not say capped. Yeah, from what I was I'm... told, the email does not say capped. Now, if there's something in the bylaws that says it's capped, I don't know. That's, but that's where's the cap? If it's not, if fifteen hundred dollars, well, let let me ask you this: What is the cap then? I want to say it was like in the two range. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I've heard that number before. Okay. So that's possible. This is the first time I've ever heard that. I know that $1,500 to somebody who is grinding out a living and just made $6,000 is a crazy amount to find somebody. We'll get into that. That's the analysis part of it. I just want to go through the rest of the story. From what I was told, the email states that he is fined 25% of his prize funds. Great. 25% out the door. Uh, On top of that, uh, he is going to be uh, – he had to write a letter of apology to Matchroom and to the person that oh he – Oh, my God. Uh, and to the person that he had to – or uh, had to scuffle with and whatever. Uh, we'll we talk about that grade? later on. We'll talk about that in, in a second. And then the third part of this is if he has another outburst or has any other WPA – uh, violation, he will be banned for a full calendar year from all major or from all WPA sanctioned events. The guy is 43 years old. All right. I, I, okay. So, all right, I'm, I'm going to leave that to the analysis part of this. So that is what happened from his outburst. And that is the situation that we are underway. Uh, I, I guess, does anybody want to uh, jump into the analysis of what you just heard before I do? Yeah, I, my initial thoughts and I'll, I'll, I'll pace myself, but I've always said there's, you know, there's what's right and wrong. And then there's a right way and a wrong way to react to it. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, there's, there's a number of, you know, there's like the situation and the response situation response. So the first situation was filler fillers behavior. And then how Darren responded to that. The next situation was how the mashroom employees were handling Darren as far as the second random drug test 
uh, the, you know, the way that they were, you know, handling him, the way that they were reading or not reading his body language or physical, you know, verbal language, asking for a little space, you know, how they were handling him, uh, if they were needling him or if they were very professional. You know, I don't know what they did exactly. And then then there's Darren's response to all of it. And then there's WPA's response to Darren's response. And so I think that there's everybody has had, you know, parts of this, you know, for to get to where it got. There's been clearly there's been, you know, suboptimal play from every from every individual here. Uh, but uh, but I just think it's interesting to think about, like, which piece is in it. So, yeah, that, I, I think um, I have more thoughts, but I just wanted to kind of frame it that way in my mind. It's like, you know, where, you know, what were the things that were done? How did Darren respond and how did WPA respond? What do you sure. think? Mike? I, I, I think I think that's a great way of looking at it. So let's let's talk first about what Darren did. Does anybody have any thoughts on it? Listen, Darren's one of those guys where he don't play that game, and I like him, and I like that personality of him. I was there in Vegas when the guy uh, walked up to him. I think it was after him. I forgot who was playing, maybe like Capito or something, and it was it was a pretty intense match um, when he got drug tested there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind the reaction because he's going to – we're allowed to get annoyed right now going and telling someone to wipe that look off their face maybe that wasn't the best thing to go and do right but just you being annoyed i'm you know okay fair enough right um it, you getting random you know twice in a two-week span or whatever it was i mean i put on good authority it. that there are that uh jason shaw yeah. alvin ocean and shane van boning have never been random drug tested i have that on good authority now, if I'm wrong, I, 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 you know, if I'm wrong, I'll be the first to admit it. If anybody knows otherwise, what I was told was those three have never in their career been random drug tested. Yeah, but I mean, that's like saying that guy was speeding. So why am I getting the ticket? You know, that, that'll make a difference to me, you know? So, I mean, it is what it is. If, you, if you're part of the WPA, then that's just par for the course. You got, there's always going to be that opportunity. Now, could they have picked a better time? Probably, especially given that he had just lost Hill Hill in a match that he probably should have won, a match that I thought he was going to win going into it. Um, and for I, I didn't get to watch the match, so I don't know what happened. I don't know that mess about Josh. I don't know if Darren Dog did. Well, I don't, the, I don't know any, and, and, any, any and I don't think it. I actually said this in the beginning. So let me let me actually the the part that really set Darren off about Josh. So just the Josh part of this was. He basically so when they were at um, a, a ten to ten and they're playing the the final rack, Josh plays uh, a shot and gets onto the nine ball. The nine ball is maybe six or seven inches away from the pocket, and the cue ball is like you can't miss it if you try. Perfect. Like, it, it, the ball is sick, dead perfect, dead perfect. Does six he go get a drink of water and, and clean his hands? He does. He goes back to his seat. Just just a guess. <laughs> Yeah, he, he goes like, back. We to know that seat. about Josh. I'm like, if you're on the receiving end of it that time, okay. But we know that about yep. Josh. I don't. I don't take yep. that as. I don't take that as disrespectful. You just on tilt because you should have gone and put him away. But yep. Josh has always done that. I mean, like, I didn't. You never told me this. I haven't spoken to Darren. I guess that just because of how many times I've seen Josh Filler go and play, and that's what he does. Some people may take it as disrespect. They may take it as them needling. Whatever the case may be. But that's who the guy is, for better or worse. That don't got nothing to do. I mean, I get it. You're fuming. And then you got someone coming in wanting to go in random, you you know, right after that. It's probably a bad combination. And then the you same know? guy who who calls extension on the nine ball when it's, you know, 
Josh, Josh is known for also. There a lot of pro players go and do that now. Jason does that now. There's a lot of top yeah. guys that were on, they're on the nine ball. They'll automatically go and call it, so that way they don't got to go and deal with it at the end. Yeah. I don't mind it. Makes I mean, sense. it's just you can't go and threaten somebody though, whether it yep. was you know intentionally or unintentionally. Um, I love the passion by Darren. I think he's a great ambassador for the sport. I think that his uh, his resurgence of his career is fantastic. But it's like I tell my it's like I tell my girls, man. Like, I don't care what that person did to you. Don't let them get the better of you to go and get that reaction out of you. You know, don't do not give them the satisfaction of letting them see you get riled up, you know. But it was really, listen, the guy just had a bad day. That's all I chalk it up to. But yeah, it, so the, the finding part's horrible. Horrible, though. Well, we'll get, we're going so to we'll get, yeah, we'll get to the WPB, uh, the WPA's reaction in a second. And, uh, and by the way, I want to, I want to say that is that, before you guys think what I'm about to say about Darren, that doesn't necessarily mean I think that the response from the WPA was right. But as far as Darren goes, uh, you know, I see a lot of things like, hey, we've all been emotional. It's always tough. We all get frustrated after a match. It's a tough loss. Now, for sure, there's there's bad timing. For sure, this it would you know, I can totally understand that the timing was bad for a random drug test. And I can totally imagine an employee you know, trying to like either make small talk or trying to be conversational, Darren being a little prickly and then they're getting kind of offended and kind of like escalatory or like, well, what's your problem kind of a thing. So I can understand how, how the people involved might've played a role in provoking Darren. But in the end, I, I don't like, like Mike just said, I don't care what the other person did. I care what Darren did. And there's, there's a limit, right? So now we're, we're, we obviously for people that are like, Oh, everybody's had a bad day. We've all said things we regret. Well, there's, there's limits and some of them are legal limits. Like you can't hit somebody. You can't shoot somebody because you're angry. You don't write that up as a bad day. Well, I, when it comes to conduct and professional conduct, there's another limit, which is for me. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any tolerance for, for treating people in a way that makes them feel threatened or intimidated or, or, you know, whatever. So like I used to manage at a call center, I had a team of guys, and it's like when a customer started getting escalated, if they if they were passionate, if they were angry, that's one thing. But if they started swearing, if they started like, you know, insulting, you know, my team had permission to disconnect the call. And if I got involved and somebody was going to do it, it's like I there's personal boundaries where that's like that's not acceptable. You don't get to do that. And so when when he starts telling people to F off and when he starts getting escalatory to where other people might allegedly. be feeling. Allegedly. OK, well, I'm saying well, if, it's, if it's not allegedly. This sounds like this has been, no, well, it sounds it, like the quote, yeah, <laughs> the quote, there's some things that are subjective, right? But, but some things are not subjective. Some things are like whether or not he swore at somebody and whether or not he told them to wipe the smirk off their face. And, you know, it's, listen, it's not okay. I can imagine being an employee dealing with a guy that's like pissed off and slamming stuff around and really angry and wide eyed. And then you start trying to tie it all. So he signed up, listen, if you're going to be the ones doing drug tests, you signed up for that. That's what I'm saying. So, so if I'm the employee and the guy starts, like I've been in situations where I've dealt with rage monkeys before and I've got, I, I just don't have a lot of tolerance for it, man. It's like, now what? I don't know that the response was correct I'm that for sure, but I, I don't think that conduct is correct. And I, so, so I don't think that should be allowed. And I, I personally love going to tournaments where I know the tournament director doesn't put up with that. I don't like going to places where I said the same thing when the Billy Thorpe incident happened a year and a half or whatever ago, where I was like, yeah, you know, there should be, a standard of conduct because otherwise otherwise you got a few guys that start doing stuff that's just you just can't allow that once you you know you just you can't allow that sure yeah but you know you okay. ain't dealing with Al you're not dealing with alex Pagulain. you ain't dealing with roberto gomez you ain't dealing with guys that are like just in general jovial and happy you know i mean 
you know how Darren is. I mean, leave, leave him alone during that. I mean, like, if you're already going to have to do it, give him a space. Yeah, yeah. And But, and, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I would guess that it wasn't just, like, a snap and then he goes off. I guess there was, like, things leading up to it. Now, yeah, again, and, I don't know that, but I, that would just be my guess. 100%. But listen, but this is the kind of comments we're getting. Is if you're not in Darren's shoes, it's hard to understand how he felt. I don't care how he felt, okay? There's a certain level. Like, when everybody here has gotten raging angry, and there's a limit at which you stop yourself from going to the next step. Some people don't, some people get physical and actually hit somebody. And then it's like, well, I was raging angry. It's like, yeah, well, you got to stop yourself before you hit somebody. All I'm suggesting is, is that you, when you get raging angry, you have to stop yourself before you start telling people to F off and escalating the situation. You have to, like, if you're going to be in a profession, it's no, listen, it's no different. If you worked in a corporation, Okay, Which I went to the corporation. Is it the F off or is it the wipe that look off your face that bothers you? Well, yeah, and I don't I'm just I'm just saying this in that type of stuff. Like I worked at a corporation for all of you guys that work, you know, in a corporate office, you don't get to go, you know, you don't get to escalate and start telling, you know, people in different departments to alpha. You know, you don't get if you acted like that, your manager would have a response. You know what I mean? That's like it's just not okay. It's so I don't understand how being angry excuses behavior. It's like, no, well, I understand he was very angry. He's got a responsibility to, to you know, he can enforce a boundary. He can say he's an adult. He can say, you know what? I need a minute. I need to, I need to take a break. You please, I'm, 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 you know, he can, he can disengage. If you see someone that's, that's noticeably on tilt and you can tell like they're going like this, you're probably going to give them a few and just yeah. let them go and, and cool off. That's just, and that's right. And that's why I think that they were, that's why I think the people that were handling this, were probably provocative. I mean, it sounds like they, it's like I said, my, I mean, I'm projecting all this, right? But it seems like somebody was like, hey, Darren, you need you to go to the bathroom and take a drug test. Like, what the hell? I just lost a match and I just peed it. Like, and all of a sudden they started getting a little sniffy and like, oh, what's your problem? So obviously, I don't think they handled it well. I don't think they handled that situation well. You're right. He well, should have been given time. But if he wasn't given time, he's got the responsibility of managing his behavior. Sure. Well, I, I agree with Demetrius. I agree with Demetrius. But like, like let me jump in here because I, I think that. Um, Demetrius is basically saying that the the fuck off and the um, and the well, I guess we're allowed to say it now. Yeah, I, well, we can. <laughs> I, I just, I, 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 it doesn't really matter, I guess, does it? Uh, so, like, basically, Demetrius is saying that both of those cross a line of tolerable behavior. And to, it's, I, the only reason I want to jump in because I don't agree with him. I, I don't agree that the fuck off actually does. I, I think that he's actually quite justified in saying that to somebody who refuses to stop talking. To him when he's already told the person that he doesn't want to make small talk he'll take Bingo. the test it's going to take a while but if that person insists on continuing to to needle at him and try to make small talk with him when he obviously does not want to i do Trying not believe to get a that rise out of the line however i do think that the the wipe the smirk off your face is completely out of bounds completely over the line and that is really ultimately what he's getting punished for but the only reason i wanted to jump in there is because like everybody's line is going to be different you know, some people's line is going to be, uh, I don't think that you should ever raise your voice to begin with. I don't think that you should ever be mad after a loss. And then there's some people, you probably ask Earl Strickland, and he'll say, I can do whatever the hell I want. You know, I, I know how to spin the cue ball. I, I can do what I want. So it, it, it depends basically on your line and where this is. And all of that is going to be subjective. So uh, Demetrius's line is, I think, significantly further up than well, and, mine and, and I, yours, Mike. I, I agree. It's a, it's a scale thing. And and to be totally fair, I don't have a ton of context on this. And so there's a lot I don't know. Um, sure. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that the con I think that the line is when you start behaving in a way that might make other people feel like threatened or uncomfortable to the point where 
you know, there's, it's one thing to be like, man, you know, you're working at a coffee shop with the guy you're serving is kind of a jerk. You're like, man, this guy's a jerk. Compare that to like where the guy starts raging at you to where you feel like where you're like, it, it triggers emotions in you where you're like, you know, kind of almost like a day record. Like, you know, you feel like, man, it's just like, I dealt with this guy today and it just made me, you know what I mean? It's like, there's certain lines that, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I guess for some of the things that are coming in via the comments, uh, if, if we're, we obviously can't tell the story again, the the podcasts are there. You can go back and listen to the beginning of it and you get all this analysis. So I'm sorry I can't tell the story again. Um, but I, I guess, are, are we are we good to leave it there? Wanna, we kind of decided. Yeah, I, I want to pipe in on the WPBA reaction real quick. Uh, I, I think that um, I've been fairly hard on Darren because everybody that's talking about, you know, Darren, you know, first of all, he was provoked. Second of all, he's human. And third of all, he didn't break any laws. He didn't hit anybody. So, so like, I think that the way that it should have been handled, I used corporate as an example of what's not tolerated in terms of behavior. Now let me use corporate as an example of how this could have been handled. Why wasn't he given a warning? Why, like, to me, this is something where he gets a call from somebody in the WPA and they say, hey, Darren, not cool, bro. Listen, love you. You've been a longtime player. You've been a longtime member. You're a big part of the tour. We care about you. We appreciate your participation. We support your effort to organize the players. You have a big role to play both on the table and off the table, and we want you to be part of what we're doing. But you know what? We need you to we need you to be a leader, not just in terms of play, not just in terms of organization, but in terms of conduct. I apologize for the things that were done that kind of provoked you. However, you know, going forward, we expect a higher level of you know conduct on your end. Here's exactly where we think you crossed the line. Uh, we're not going to do anything right now. But if this were to happen again, we'd have an issue. We might have to, you know, things like like bans or fines were considered. But they're not being on the table because this is the first time we've had this conversation. But please don't make us repeat it. Like to me, that seems like an easy conversation to have and to skip the warning step and go right to fines and, and penalties. I think that's totally disproportionate. So as hard as I was on Darren, I think that I think that it was unacceptable what Darren did. But it was like a finger wag unacceptable, not a not a punish the guy you know sure. what do you so, think of so that let's talk about well let's talk about the broader context of the actual punishment now because like i'm going to refresh everybody in the chat the punishment was he lost 25 percent of his funding or uh, sorry 25 percent of his prize funds for winning which is six thousand dollars that he won so he lost fifteen hundred dollars uh the second uh was that he had to write a letter of apology to matchroom and the third was that if he does anything like this again, any outburst again that that warrants any sort of uh, looking into, we'll say, uh, he is banned from any WPA sanctioned events for a full calendar year. So let's talk about the first one first, because that's kind of what you that's. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about the first one first. Uh, and in a context of is 25 percent fair of his prize fund, so fifteen hundred dollar fine. Or is should he have gotten a fine at all? Now, Demetrius, I 110% agree with you that this does not warrant a fine at all. I mean, it's just it's just completely it, any anything. The dude has been playing on the tour. He said he's been playing professionally, or he's been playing professionally since 1996, uh, and I think he switched over to nine ball professionally in 1998, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere, let's just say 2000, somewhere around 2000. The dude's been in the game for 20, 22 years, over 22 years. And he's had exactly two outbursts. And if yeah, that's, yeah. that's if we're going to consider this an outburst. Now, we all, well, I don't know if that, everybody, everybody knows, but he had an incident yeah. with Mike DeShane in 2016, I believe. Uh, I believe he, I believe that was 2016, 2016, 2017. He had an outburst or he had a, we'll say an altercation with Mike DeShane uh, where he was fined uh, 
as well from the WPA and warned. Does having an incident in 2016 justify not getting a warning this time, Demetrius? No, so I, I have, uh, without repeating myself, and I, I hope that the people that were, um, you know, that I was felt that I was being a little hard on Darren, hear this part of it too, where I'm really defending, you know, I, I think that uh, the whole idea is everybody should feel safe. And that means that the match room employees should feel safe. And that when you're competing in a tournament, you oh should feel God. safe from the other players. But on the other hand, um, as far as like the players, the players should feel safe from the WPA. And if, they, and if the players are walking around and they feel like, you know, um, at any time they could do one thing that, that was like, and I'll, and I'll give you a personal example. Uh, I love, I love the turning stone. I'm going, I go every year. I, I went in January. I'm going in August uh, or September. It's September this year, but like, Mike Zuglin is like a really heavy hand. He's the most heavy handed tournament director I've ever met to where even if you're a, it, like, okay, the way I look at tournament directors is if you show up on time for your matches, follow the rules of conduct, you know, play, go to the players meeting of try. If you, if you sincerely try to do everything you can do to follow the rules, you shouldn't really be in danger of being disqualified or forfeiting games and, you know, all these types of things. The only penalty I've ever had given to me was by Mike Zuglin. And it was in a situation that nobody else would ever have. I mean, it was, it was totally disproportionate. So like it was when I go to play at Zuglin's events, I don't feel protected as a player where if I play by the rules, I'm going to necessarily be safe. I feel like you can play by all the rules. And sometimes he's so punitive. He's, he's like trigger happy to inflict, you know, consequences on people for stuff. That's really weird. Anyway, I feel the same way. Like I don't want the players to go to tournaments and feel like, somebody could hear them say something out of context or that, you know, they, 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 they miss a nine ball and they, you know, or they, or they, uh, you know, whatever they, 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 they put their chalk down hard or throw a chalk off the table and they get disqualified from an event. Like I don't well, want, if we're going to go there, let's go there. I just, I just don't want there. players to be walking on eggshells. I want the players, I want the players who have been part of the pool community for years, who have, who have been leaders in the industry. I want them to feel like they have some protection. Yeah. Well, it's actually perfect because Ed Ledow is here. So he's got, we got the biggest uh, Earl Strickland apologist in the entire world. <laughs> tell me, tell me what Darren did. That's worse than anything Earl has done in the last two years. Yeah. But we find Earl charming. Are, are you telling me that, like, like uh, are you telling me that breaking your cue on national television or screaming, you're so lucky Efren in the middle of a match or doing a post uh, match interview where you basically tell the person who just beat you seven to two that he's not a good player. And, you know, he, you know, he's, he, he's never going to be anybody that's any good. Like you're, you're talking about some dude that d shows zero respect to the game or to his opponents ever. And we find it charming. Darren did something behind the scenes. Nobody even knew about if you wouldn't have made it public and he gets a $1,500 fine and, you know, removed from a potential event. I mean, like, it's just crazy to me. I mean, if we're going to well, go there, let's go there. That $1,500 could turn into a lot more because had he gone, had he gotten a spot on the World Pool Masters, I think he probably would have been guaranteed minimum $1,750. Yeah. And then on top of that, you got to like his chances in the UK Open, just given how he's played to probably make it, if I was a betting man, I would say easily in the final 32, if not the final 16, and with a really good shot at snapping it off because he obviously shows he can beat the best players in the world, i.e. Filler, who we had pretty much beat that match. So, I mean, he's got a he's got a big upside. So that that 1500 and that possible whatever it is suspension or been hanging over his head. Who knows? I, I just I just see well. 
there's been a comment that why do we never talk about the good things that WP uh, does? Um, <laughs> and somebody, somebody, you know, kind of backed it up. Um, I, I'll wait. Uh, if you want to create a list of the things that they do that help this industry uh, and that they actually stick by and are consistent with, like, I'm not saying they don't do anything. I'm just saying that what they're supposed to represent, they're a complete void at best. I mean, that is the nicest thing I can say about them. Like they, anyways, so are we all agreement? Are, well, Mike, you never really gave your opinion on this. What do, what do you think? Do you think that the the punishment was fair? Do you think that, you know, tell us what you think about the actual punishment, uh, the the monetary part of it? Well, like Demetrius makes a good point, you know, when he brings that that corporate example into the mix. But I agree with you. Like there's there's steps, something that happened in 16. You know, I don't I'm not giving that any weight right now. I mean, it's, it's six years later. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a slap on the wrist. You know, the, write an apology. That's the most ridiculous thing on earth. I, I, I would never play the game again if you asked me to go write an apology. Now, on the same hand, if I mess up and if I know I mess up, I'm going to go and own it and I'm going to take responsibility for it. And I'm going to go talk to you man to man and I'll give you a good example. My buddy Franco, real good friend of mine. We do a lot of business together. I was a jerk to him the other day. We hadn't really talked the last few days. You know what I said? Hey, man, I'm sorry for being a, a you know what to you because you didn't deserve that. It wasn't because nobody goes and told me I needed to do that. That's just the right thing to go and do. Now, I'm not saying it to get praise. My point is that when you when, when you blow it, take responsibility for you blowing it. I'm not going to go and write somebody a letter just because somebody tells me to. I'm going to go speak to whoever I went off on and say, yo, I'm, I didn't mean to come at you like that. You know, it was a bad day for me. I'm sorry. You know, point blank. No excuses. You know, I, I messed up. And then move on. You know, but to go and yeah. – in, 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 in an industry where, you know, financial freedom is already nearly impossible to go and hit them in the wallet on top of no warning or anything like that. When you, when you know, it was just a perfect storm. The guy had a bad damn day. You know, he just lost to a player the best player in the world that he should have beat and he should have moved on. And you probably would have liked Darren's chance to go and at least get to the semis from there, if not more. So he still would have uh, had to play Alvin next, but. But if you beat Josh, you tell me he don't have that confidence. Come on now. No, I'm, I'm with I'm, you. I'm, I mean, I'm absolutely with yeah. you. I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm, yeah, and I, I think that um, you know, I think that the, well, you know, good question by the way. Uh, June brought up is if he's had a warning in the past, and that would that would change things, right? So I'm operating with the information I was given. Now, if he's if he's had issues where they've warned him more recently than 2016, if he's had issues in the last year or two, and it's been a repeated thing, then then that's a different conversation. But we don't we don't know that. Uh, as far as um. As far as the part where oh, I lost my train of thought, has, do we know if he has any warnings, Nate? I was always wondering about that. I'm I'm under the assumption that he hasn't. Um, I know, like I said, he he had that altercation with Mike Deshane uh, at the Moscone Cup in 2016. Yeah, six or years. So then, so then well, the other part he would have been invited to the Masters, though. Like that's still, it's kind of up in the air whether or not he would have been invited on there. I mean, with this play, he probably should have over Loho some. Just just in my opinion. Um, yeah, but, yeah, and and I think that the the letter thing. There's a lot of comments about the letter and you had some comments like to me, I feel that that it's um it's a like a power play by WPA where it's like For sure. you we run this yeah. thing. If you want to be in our events, if you want to participate, we can make you dance like a I puppet. Say jump and you say how high. Happen. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like it's like a, it's and it's like this. It's it's partly it's shaming, like you know, I, we're gonna shame you, but more than that, I, I think that the like way child. That, the way that Darren would feel or the way I would feel, I think the way any most humans would feel is that they feel it's like um it's a it's a power play in the sense of like we're in charge now i need you to say darren i need to repeat 
who's in charge? I need you to say WPA is in charge. Say it, say it, or you don't get to play. It's like this really heavy handed, like reminder of who's calling the shots and we're important and we're big and we control you and you're just a player and you're, you participate at our mercy. It's, there's ways of doing that. You don't have to like, I just feel like that's kind of a, a heavy handed, like power play that, that makes people feel kind of like violated. Like where Mike said, like literally that, that apology letter might be enough to say, you know what, screw you. I'll just play, you know, I'll just, you know, play events that are not WPA and whatever. And, and, you know, it's like, and that's enough to make people retire, you know, just because they don't like being bullied and threatened. So I just don't, I don't really, I feel like at some point it would have been cool. Like, like uh, somebody made the comment, you know, he maybe loves being drug cool. tested though. Yeah. It's Who just, it just doesn't seem. Especially right after a loss. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, understand the circumstances too on the other side of it, man. Like, so, you know, we're all, we're all human. Yeah. All right. All right. So we all we're all in agreement that he should have never been given a fine. It should have been a warning. And now we're all in agreement that WPA basically is like doing some sort of weird power trip slash treating him like a child with the the letter. I mean, I don't. I how much else is there to say about that? You're making the dude write a letter now. I I don't know. I, I the, the thing we haven't talked about is what's Matchroom's role in all of this because maybe Matchroom requested a letter be written. I don't know. Like like I don't know about that, but. To, to make somebody write a letter, like I'm just I'm just imagining like You know what I would have done? Getting, I would have wrote, like wrote like a 30 page letter. It would have been like the most over the top, flowery, like oh, I would have had like a ghostwriter help me with the thing. I'm serious. I would have just been like over the top, like 30 pages, bam. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it, it was reminds never me of like when you when you're uh you know, you watch The Simpsons, right? In in the intro. Yeah. Where yeah, Bart's on the board. Yeah, writing, yeah, that's exactly over, what I was thinking about. Lines. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go, you can go <laughs> rock with that shit. I ain't doing that, man. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's it's just a little know. bit. He's a it's, grown it's, man. You know, let him go and handle it, you know, the way he wants to go and do it and apologize to him like he should, because he should. If you want to, yeah, I, I could see him like a requiring like a public apology or something like that, but yeah. writing a letter? I mean, even then, but that shit was, that, that was in private, though. What happened between them was in I private, agree. you know? So I, go and handle I it agree. in private. You know? I agree. Yep. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the third part about this, which is if he has another outburst or any problem with the WPA in the next or ever, it doesn't even say on there. It just says, if you have another one, you have an automatic 12 month ban. What do we think about that? So I'm okay with a warning. I think where it's weird is committing to a 12 month ban without having Without, like, for example, of course, I'd like to think that, you know, we don't have an incident again, but like, that means, it, okay, so that's almost like, uh, the only thing I could compare it to is like a probation or something where somebody's like released from jail or something, or they're on probation to where, hey, automatically, you've got like a three-year jail sentence hanging over your head. So if you're found violating a law, like say you're drug driving, or you're found with minor possession, where like, in other words, it doesn't matter if, if, you know, what the pen, what law you break we can catch you jaywalking if you have any problems with the law during during this probational period you're automatically you know going to get penalized with this three-year suspension with this three-year jail I don't know it ain't you know why it's not a good analogy because that's a specific offense you jaywalk you know you jaywalk if you have an outburst how arbitrary is that man and that's and so what, what i may go and interpret as 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 an outburst may not be the same thing that demetrius goes and determines as an outburst fair you know? enough Fair enough. So I guess well, I guess my enough. point is is that somebody gets a speeding ticket and then they have a three year jail sentence because of, but the difference is okay the difference is with probation that probation period ends and I think that if they yeah. said if they said something like you know 
if we have, you know, if we have a serious issue, we're going to, you know, in the next 12 months, then you'll be banned from one event. Like that might be reasonable, like a 12 month probation with a one ban, right. with a one tournament penalty. But personally, I would have liked to have said, hey, you know, you've got a, a warning. And then if this happens again, then when we evaluate that, we'll evaluate the next situation independently based on what happened. We'll make some opinions. But the fact that you've been warned about this in the past will play a role if we have to reopen this conversation. Like to me, that's the right way to handle it. It's like it's a warning. If this happens again, that'll play a factor in how we determine it. But we don't need to like have this penalty of a year hanging over your head with no probationary ending just permanently. I think that's a little bit excessive. A little is being a little polite. Bit. That's a, little a lot bit. excessive. Yeah. Yeah, a, a time frame is you, completely necessary. Well, especially when you look uh, at like other players, right? Like, is this worse than what Billy and what what Billy and Rob did? Why why did Billy get nothing? Well, yeah, if we're talking about this, I mean, let's just let's just talk about consistency for a second because before basically everything that you just said, there is no consistency. It's everything is arbitrary. So Mike said, what is an outburst? An outburst is completely different to everybody. We've already had this discussion. An outburst is different between all three of us. Mike says, you know, Mike says nothing that he did was that, you know, worth this. I don't necessarily disagree with him as far as like the, the, the telling the guy to fuck off. I do think that it's too far when you start talking about take the smirk off your face. And Demetrius, you think that they're both. Yeah, I'm on the opposite. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't think yeah, and Demetrius, I mean, it's you all, think they're it's both all context, right? It's all context. Yes. The point is, is we have no freaking clue what where they're working from, right? The, we have no idea where the WPA is coming from. We have no idea why they're why it was twenty five percent. If it would have been twenty five percent, if he finished five spots earlier, you know, if he had if he made six hundred dollars in that event, would it still have been twenty five dollars or twenty five percent? Would it still would it be one hundred fifty dollars then? Would it be 25% if he snapped the tournament off and he just won 60000 Would he have had to pay 15000 We have no idea if that if 25% is consistent across places. We have no idea what if you ever have an outburst again. If he has an outburst when he's 75 years old playing in the World Championships is like some, hey, we have Darren Appleton here who won it in 1984. Like, do we have, like, if he has an outburst there and he javelins his pool cue through a wall, is he banned for a, a year at age 76? Like, is 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 he gonna like be down on a shot and or is he gonna have like his opponent down on a shot and he's gonna fart from the corner and he's gonna get banned yeah he or he, or he argues with the ref like maybe, maybe a ref makes a call and he says that was a good hit and all of a sudden he's banned for a year because he, yeah, he got mad at the ref yeah it's like there is literally nothing there that says what any of this is and it shows up across the board so the reason I brought up the Billy situation. Is anybody here going to argue that this is worse than that Billy situation? No, no, Billy. I mean, the only difference was that that that, that didn't happen at a at a major event, right? That was like at a private pool hall. That's the only difference. But I mean, if that matters, this happened no, behind Billy, closed doors. Yeah, but Billy was over. That was the more line public than this. Yeah. Mike, what'd you say? Apples and oranges, though. Like like Demetrius said, I mean, that thing was in a in a in a bar in the middle of nowhere when a camera should have never been on with between two guys. That what happened with Darren was at a professional event. To me, that's completely different. Behind the scenes, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it wasn't like I, he did I, it I get the, on, on the TV table. I get, yeah, I get that it's apples and oranges. I get that I it's get not. That. But this is my exact point. It's something that something that is clearly more severe than what Darren did. Clearly more severe. It doesn't matter the context, right? It's worse, and there's video that shows that it's worse. And no, it's happened. yeah. 
the consistency isn't that, there. You, I mean, your point was made with Earl Strickland, but I, I just want to make a comment. So if Darren Appleton happens to watch this, I hope that Darren, like I said, you know, maybe I was a little hard on him in the beginning, but like, obviously I think what Darren, what Darren did was like a warning, not even a misdemeanor, but Darren did was like driving 60 to 55. Uh, but what, what, or, you know, maybe 65, whatever. But the point is, is that uh, the WPA's reaction is is out of line. If I were Darren, so I'll say, Darren, I'm completely, I I, I appreciate you bringing this to our attention because- You don't have no power. I yeah, mean, and so, but, but that's why I'm glad he brings it public because as a public, we have power. And my only advice to Darren is, uh, you know, keep that pool union going so that you can represent. And then if I were you, I would just start doing tons of drugs before every match from now on. And next time they drug test me, I want a pistol purple. It would just like set off every trigger. I'd be, if I'm going to, I'm just going to give them what they're looking for. Apparently they got to hit, you know, mm. <laughs> mm. horse tranquilizer. <laughs> I'm talking the whole thing. Conversation took a turn. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> If, if, if there's ever been a question as to what Dimitri brings to the podcast, we found out what he brings to the podcast right there. All right. So I, I guess my point is, is like, and, and this is, I've, I've had this conversation with Darren a couple of times. Like I, I don't agree in a player's union. I think it's, I think it's completely everything that Matchroom is doing is an improvement over the year prior. And the player, the justification that I've gotten in favor of the player's union is that the players are, the player's, wishes are not being taken into account when these events are happening. But, but if you look back like in 2017, when Matchroom really started taking over a lot of stuff, they were getting torched every single event. I bet their, their like public approval rating was like in the twenties. And ever since then, the only thing that they have done is make their events bigger, better. The only thing that you can make, the only thing that I think that you could really say that's bad about Matchroom at this point about everything that they do is the races are too short and the one on the spot and um yeah the and winter break both, I mean, those if, are being by four inch, both of those are offset by four inch pockets and, it's, and it creates it creates tremendous drama so what's what's your opinion what's your well, opinion this comment i'm sorry about the elephant in the room which is is this is this is this targeting darren because he's trying to build his players union but i'm sorry go ahead finish well, your point well I, I yeah we can we can talk about that in a second but like the, to finish out my point it's like if if there is matrim is unapologetically not going to go away from that they're saying we hear you we understand your concerns about this we this is a deal breaker we are not and the fact that they're straight up going to tell you exactly how they feel in the situation and why they feel that they need to keep it that way not every rule is going to benefit the players and make them happy and at the end of the day what you want is consistency and what they are doing is consistent like i don't agree with that i think a race of seven to have something called the world pool masters and to have it be a a winter break race of seven to be it's like but like i said they're unapologetically with that position and that's there's something refreshing about that matchroom is doing seemingly everything to make the sport better. And it's not like they're like going five steps forward and seven steps back and three forward and two back. And, you know, they are straightforward almost all the time. And if they make a mistake, it's fixed the next year. So, I mean, if, if you're going to talk about like the players union that you need to correct things that are happening that you don't feel are fair, I mean, you got to point to those things and what they are to me, because I just don't see where a players union right now is beneficial and i i can point to a ton of reasons why it's not beneficial but um i, I guess mike do you have anything that you want to address on that well whether or not it's targeting i mean it's all hearsay i'm not gonna go and talk hypotheticals like that i mean it's it now it's convenient 
hundred percent. The timing of it's real convenient, but it don't matter. I mean, look, you signed up for that. So if you're gonna get drug tested, go get drug tested. If you don't got nothing to go and hide, then just go and and, and take the drug test and move on about it. Don't go and make a big old scene about it, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it's 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 a little bit. I don't want to say suspicious, but it, it, it you know it kind of makes you it kind of makes you raise an eyebrow and be like, yeah, that's convenient. But but uh, but yeah, we don't have any data. We don't have any facts, and so yeah. we just have to well, sit it, there and say, yeah. At the end of the day, it's just an inconvenience at best. Like Darren's gonna pass them all. Uh, Darren's not doing. He's not out doing recreational drugs on the weekend, having fun in Vegas, right? Darren is a professional and. You know, while he has outbursts from time to time, which we're talking about, obviously, it's not like he's going out there and doing crystal meth on the weekends. Like making him do additional drug tests is basically just inconveniencing him. It, you know, it, it yeah, is what it is. But... You got to go and jump through hoops, though. It's just that's par for the course. Yeah, it's annoying, well, but yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, I I think. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I just, I think that a lot of those things are silly. You can create narratives about a lot of things. I don't think that this is necessarily targeting him. I just think that, you know, it is what it is, but even if it is, it's not like, it's not like they're going to bust him with anything is my, is my point. So what, what's at, and yeah, they're you just know what, honestly, this is the thing that's even, this is the thing that's dumbest about all of it. If he would have failed his first drug test in Vegas, he obviously can still play. There's no suspension. Billy's playing and everything. That happened. That happened almost a year ago. He's still playing. What's there's no punishment. That's that's the, the the biggest thing I have a problem with. Billy still doesn't know what his punishment is. He's still playing in events. Why why is the WPA the WPA? So this is now we're getting to the broader co context of this because this is where it drives me absolutely nuts and why anybody who wants to like defend the WPA, I will fight you to the death on them because. We are at now. What was it? Uh, the August of last year was the Diamond Las Vegas or the the World Ten Ball when he got random drug tested. Am I right on that? Yes. September. Okay. So was it uh, September? Okay, it was early September, late August, whatever it was. It was it was early. Uh, so it has now been what I guess nine months about, and we still don't know Billy's punishment. They turned Darren's around in four goddamn days. With a punishment, three things he had to do to make himself better in the world, and a clear and concise future yeah, but I thought, that he has uh, to follow. B B Billy's thing was different from what I understand because it's got to go through um, the Anti-Doping Association. Why? I think Why? that. Why? Because that's who the WPA sent the drug test to, as far as I understand. Sure. Sure. But why? Why do they? What? This is. This is. So this is why. This is what drives me crazy. The WPA has very clear guidelines because they work off of the other ones, right? So they have right. very clear guidelines of what, what happens if you fail a drug test. Are we losing Nate? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Oh, there he Coming is. Back. We lost you, Nate. There we go. Excuse me, one second. One second. Right. So Nate's connection is going out, and Demetrius is Am jumping back? ship. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. This show is just taking a dive, boys. It's the WPA it's trying to stop us. It is. They're messing with your internet now. Maybe you need a refresh, my man. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Everyone's bailing. Uh, they left me here. So, hey, God's green. I'm doing what I can do, my man. 
Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 annoying what Darren's having to go through. But, you know, if you sign up to go and play a sport, then, you know, the hoops you kind of have to go in and jump through. Um, the circumstances and the situation could have been a lot better. Um, and I think everyone's in, everyone's entitled uh, to be upset. But going and, you know, snapping at someone, probably not your best day. But you live and you learn and you move on. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Are you guys back? Are you guys just Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm back. Hey, hey, Tom Wolchowski at the chat, my man. He's uh, anyway. And then uh, I'm the only one that matters anyway with a face that seems a little sarcastic, Ed. This is your one warning. <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm just kidding. Thank you. Uh, should we move on? I, or is it the only other thing that if we want, I'm good moving on. But if anything, is there anything that we can do to, to push back on the WPA? No, because they, the players have absolutely no power. I mean, okay. what is he going to do? Um, all he can do is just take the punishment and then just move on. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's some kind of appeal, though. Um, but probably given, you know, telling someone to F off, that appeal may not go in your favor. I'm just guessing, you know. So, um, but, I mean, I guess this is the equivalent of getting suspended for one event, right? Because you never know if he would have made the Masters. And if you're going to suspend him for the UK Open, okay, fine. You know, move on, take it on the chin, and just, you know, plug away. It's all you can do. I think making it more of a big deal than what it is is just giving them the satisfaction of knowing that they got one over on you, you know? Yeah. And I, I would never and, – and, and as much as they're already trying to have a pissing contest as it is, um, I, I, don't, I, I know I'm not going to give them that satisfaction. Do you think that – do you think Matchroom will ever get big enough that they can just ignore the WPA and just – do their own thing completely and just call the shots. I don't, I don't think they want that responsibility. I think they want to just be the sports promoter that they are. I don't think they want to be the governing body. As far as questions that I've asked and people I've talked to, um, which is fair, you know, I don't think you want to hold both, um, wear, wear both hats. Now, do I think that they got a lot of pull and a lot of power in that, you know, in that category? A million percent, you know, um, we can't hear you, Nate. You might want to come out and, and come back in. Um, but it, it, there, there's there's no – I mean, besides Predator, there's nobody else playing in that yard, you know? So you just kind of have to deal with it if you're going to be a player. Or if not, go do something else. Yeah, I know. Go I play, understand. Play, can you hear me now? Go play – now I can hear you. Go play Chinese A-ball or go play Ultimate Pool or go do something else. Well, you know? well, <laughs> well this – yeah, and, and I don't even remember what I was actually getting at to begin with. So I don't remember what my point was. But the, the point is, is like the WPA has – there is no other there is and this is this is the thing that like uh Pinozo like pushes back on all the time and he's like well we need the WPA because the WPA is absolutely needed to keep promoters in check and I mean I guess he's right in the sense that like we need to have somebody do this job but like the WPA doesn't actually do anything worth having like uh, and this is the big pushback I have on the BCA too like if you're going to be the governing body of pool at least in the US then be the governing body of pool in the US and they just seem to have no interest in it and the WPA doesn't either I, I just don't understand how you can I said it before a lot of its funding though I think fundamentally oh, I, they, I think fundamentally they mean well but you know they're just maybe underfunded and I remember well, I, let's... So I spoke to I spoke to um the hell was that guy's name Shane Tyree who's according to Darren was going to be the one taking over Ian Anderson's spot at the president of WPA. 
And in so many words, he didn't want no part of, of that responsibility. And it seems to be you got to deal with a lot of BS and there's not much, you know, worth worth it on the other side, which I get, you know. But like like that guy who was piss testing Darren, Darren, you signed up for that job, man. You know, so you're going to have to deal with somebody's BS from time to time. That's just par for the course if you're doing that. Well, know? this leads actually because I actually remember what I was going on and saying there. Uh, you just can't tell me like the WPA knows exactly what happens if you fail a drug test. It's laid out very clearly in all of your rules. Why do you have to wait for this this third party body to make your decision for you? All you're trying to do is pass the buck on to them and make them make your decisions for you. You know exactly what happens if you fail a drug test. Why are you waiting for somebody else to make your decisions for you? The WPA should have gave him a sanction the, the exact moment that it happened based off of what the rules say. If you don't, it, it, This is the part that I have a problem with the WPA. If you're going to put the rules in place, enforce them. Or don't enforce them, but don't act like you're waiting for this big decision to be made when you're just trying to pass the buck to somebody else to do your job for you. It just drives me crazy. And that's why we still don't have a decision on Billy Thorpe. And we have a decision after three days for Darren Appleton, which was not nearly as bad. I just It drives me freaking crazy to think that you can wait nine months and basically pass the buck every second of it, trying to not have to make a decision. And you can make one in three days to do against Darren. It just does make it makes zero sense. So what would 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 you rather them go and wait nine months and then it'd be a pass for them? Because that don't make no sense either. I mean, well, like what I'm saying, what I'm saying is the rules are in place for Billy. They know exactly what he's going to be getting. There is no question about what he's going to be getting. They have no damn clue what Darren should have gotten. They made that up out of thin air. They have zero idea what the hell they were going to give him for a punishment. They made it up on the spot, and it shows from the, the email that they sent him with what he was actually yeah, punished. But you signed up given that 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 entity the power to go and make decisions like that in your that life. That doesn't mean we can't check them. It doesn't mean that we can't check them, as, at least as like the, 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 the media in this game. It doesn't mean that we can't check them because right now – Bring them on. I'd love to go and talk to them. Let's, let, let's start sending some emails and knocking on some doors. I'm happy to I do mean, that. you know me. I don't shy away from shit like that, so let's, so let's do it. <laughs> We should get Darren on that episode too. Yeah. Right. Stir the pot a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I just <laughs> all-time high ratings. Yeah, you, they just make a punishment. They make a punishment up out of thin air, and it's enforced in three days. Nah, but there's I, an actual. There's an actual. I think. Law. I think the point. I think or, the point's been made. I think. I think this one's getting close to beat to death because then it just. Here's the promise: if we don't draw the line here, we talked about Darren. We talked about our opinions. If we don't draw the line, pretty soon it's like it gets into like political drama of the back scenes with you know stuff, and I don't really know anything about it. And yeah, oh, Earl can moderate this discussion. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, winner, winner in the comments right there. <laughs> Ten points for Patrick Neal. All right. All right, I, I guess I guess we can move on. It just the the idea that the WPA is the governing body of this industry that it clearly wants to be zero. Um, it, it clearly does not want to be a part of. I mean, at the end of the day, I just I don't think that you can describe it any other way. They don't want to be a part of the sport. They don't want to do anything that's hard. And if what's the point of an organized body that's supposed to be ruling over the pool world if? you have zero ability or desire to to do that. And when you do, you do it completely arbitrarily and inconsistent with anything that you've done in the past. It just it just drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. So, all right, let's move on then. Uh, let's talk about the Whirlpool Masters. 
Uh, Joshua Filler continues his tear. And if you were arguing on the side of Victor Zelensky, you are, you are just a dummy. You are just a big <laughs> dummy. Yeah, I was I was gonna uh, queue it up. I was gonna queue up the part from last week's podcast where we picked our winner and be like, I can't remember who I picked. Oh, wait a second. And then I was gonna click and play the part where yeah. Well, Victor wasn't invited, which I understand to me is but neither here nor there. All right. Uh <clears throat> Joshua Filler wins over Loho Sum. And I mean, I'm I'm just gonna say it. I mean, that was probably the the worst potential performance out of a player who made it to the finals of any tournament I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I, you want to talk about like, and he won the matches. Like I'm not, as far as the way that he played, he played awful. As far as his ability to grind, my God, is that kid clearly fearless and has the short-term memory. It, it it's kind of neat to see. Cause like, I mean, he sh- probably shouldn't have won any match they played. Dennis Graba had to literally play the worst pool I've ever seen him play. Uh, Shane uh, couldn't get out of his own way. Uh, who did he beat from there? Was it uh, Abdullah? Abdullah, like, oh, my God. I haven't seen that guy. I mean, he, he basically jumped on the scene like a year ago. But, like, wow. It, it's just crazy. And then Mieszko Fortunski. Um, yeah, I mean, he played good against Mieszko. He actually – I thought that was his best match that he played the entire tournament. And then actually put up a pretty good fight against Josh. He probably gave Josh the closest match that he's he had in that entire tournament. I mean, that's pretty crazy to think about. Uh, congrats to Loho Sum. I, I still don't understand. Well, I don't know, man. Dennis, Dennis almost got the one on him. That's no. true. He almost okay. He almost, so, okay. He so almost here's what I think about. Ball. Here's what ball. I think in general is that this four inch pockets and short sets. It was refreshing to see balls not go in because when you watch these players play in the world championship and they're, you know, everyone knows that they wanted to get the pockets tighter, but when they're on four and a half inch with new cloth, see the new cloth thing, it makes those pockets with half inches play like over five inches. They're buckets. And and when you put them on the four inch pockets, now I, I actually thought it was interesting. You know, I coming down the rails, the balls, we could still slide in a little bit if they were at pocket speed. But when there's firing balls in from out in the middle of the table uh, or shooting balls, there's a spot where the balls. Um, so when a ball is real close to the rail, like not frozen or like not, I'm not talking like two, you know, small ball position. I'm talking like when a ball is like a ball with off the rail, you can shoot it down the rail. It can wobble and go in. But when you get that ball, like a diamond rail, like maybe or half a diamond to a diamond off the rail in front of that third diamond on the side rail, you're shooting it down the rail, but it's not it gets far enough off the rail to where now if it catches any rail point going in, it, it'll rattle. And uh, those, those were really shrinking up. So my point is, is that it was refreshing because when I watch these players play on big pockets, it can get a little boring. They just run out, run out. It feels like it's all a breaking contest or who gets the roles, who gets the opportunities. But for the first time, I got to see these players playing on equipment that looks more like what I play on in the sense of not everything just goes in and it showed a lot of humanity. And so you put together the short sets the pressure of those short sets, the pressure of the tighter pockets. And we got to see what these guys play like when they're feeling heat on tough equipment. And uh, not to say we've never seen it before, but I just felt that uh, it was a much more realistic. So I don't necessarily feel like everyone played really, really bad. I just feel like that's how good players play when you're on tough equipment and under pressure. Mike, any thoughts? Um, The break was a little... Was, was a little ridiculous. I think there was less than a handful or so dry breaks. Right. I don't, I'm, I don't I'm not in love with that personally. I want to see more pool being played. 
especially when you got these guys who are controlling the one coming around three rails like a lot of these guys were doing. Um, I love the four-inch pockets, though. Uh, I think that's the only way that, that these top guys should be playing, and I love the race to seven because it is pressure-packed. And winter break, it's like all you need is just one chance, you know, and it really puts a value on winning that lag because, like Josh showed against Dennis, you can go and – and hit him and hit him and hit him and hit him over again where he's never going to get a chance to go and play pool. So, um, but I I think, I'm not saying go back to a three-point rule, but maybe if the nine was on the spot or if they're breaking in the box or something, you know, that would go and change the way that the balls are, are coming out. But that wing ball was just, I mean, it was every time. So, um, but I mean, aside from that, I thought it was great. I, I agree with you, Nate. I thought Loho some, I, I don't know how he got to that final. Um, I think he he just scraped his way and and barely crossed the finish line on a lot of matches. And I also have to agree with you that I thought he gave Josh hell at least from what I saw from four four on because they didn't I didn't get to see the first eight games of that of that event. And whenever it was four four, to be honest with you, I was kind of disinterested because it, it's it's Josh against someone who I expect him to go and run over. And in that middle part of the match, it was competitive, but then. Once Josh had a window, he's a closer, and he did that. He he closed them out. He does he does what he all well he does what he always does, which is finish guys off. Um, and he made that table look very basic and remedial and elementary, as crazy as that sounds. You know, he made that look like an American playing on a on a valley, you know, a top American rather. Um, well, so yeah, hats sure. off to him. No, go yeah, ahead. and I want to talk about both of them. So as far as uh, as far as him getting to the finals with suboptimal play, like there's no question that his technical performance, like the physical technical performance, wasn't you know consistently at you know the 950 TPA type thing. What I do think was interesting though is mentally, mentally he was at a really 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 good spot because there's many many times in a match where it comes down to like a gut check, like can you do what you need to do in this moment to get this ball in. And there was a lot of, I remember Jeremy Jones talking about like he, you know, there was a number of shots where I, I think at one point he called it set ball where he's like, man, if he makes this, this is like a set winning shot, but, but he, and he knows it. And it's this long cross table, tough shot where totally exposed, right? There's no control. It's just pure stroke. Can you do what needs to be done at the moment? And whenever those situations came up, he, he was prepared to take advantage. So what I would say is, um, We've seen this many times, Nate, like playing bar table eight ball, where there's like a lower skilled player who maybe is stumbling through the racks and it's not technically clean and they don't play as good as the player they're up against, but they are finding ways to put together what they know how to do. And they're coming with the shots they need to come with, where you can just tell they're in the present, they're in the here and now, they're totally ready to take advantage. And I think he did that all the way to the finals. However, then you get to the finals. And I've seen this again and again and again. I saw it with Clenty Kachi in the finals of the 2017 Open. We saw it with Lucius Yap last year's U.S. Open. We see these players that make these great runs where they're just like no expectations, really pure state of mind, taking advantage of opportunities. But there's something about the pressure of the finals to where at some point having the experience and the confidence really takes you the rest of the way. I don't know. I, I, I push I, back I, on that analogy. Uh, Aloysius and uh, Aloysius and Eklund are world quality players i mean from what i saw from loho some like and i'm not i'm not talking about his shot selection was not even like professional level in some cases i mean he, he made the mistakes that he made were like 
I, I don't know what his Fargo rate is. Maybe I should probably look this up. I, I would be, I, I mean, I, of course, Fargo rate, whatever, but I, I'd be surprised if he was over 750 to 760. Uh, do you know, Mike? What? What is potentially what his Fargo rate is? Who, yeah, his Fargo up. rate? No, no, uh, Loho Sum. Oh, I don't, I don't like, think he's 800. I think he's like a uh, seven. 70 780 somewhere around there i, I don't know I, could be I mean if he is that high like I, I i mean i'll insert my foot in my mouth but like the the shots that he played i mean i just i just don't see how he is um yeah but a lot of that can be I, pressure though too man and he never been be, on that like, stage. He, he's never been on that stage before either so i mean i don't sure. think it's completely fair to go and and you know air him out so to so to speak i mean he got, i'm only talking you know, about it like a shot you there. want to talk about mental fortitude the dude is like the dude is fearless i mean you're talking about like a, a world quality mental play some of the like especially the match against um abdullah and the match against even the match against dennis and shane too like those three yeah 753 fargo that, that, that doesn't surprise me like obviously he's a great 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 player like a really good player but i i mean i i guess if he was uh 749 okay so if you want to talk about his mental fargo rate like he might be a 900 mental fargo well like, but, but that's but that's because of circumstances where he's an underdog he doesn't have any expectation he goes in there figuring he's lucky to win a set so every set's like a an opportunity he's it's it's if he it's just totally different and i think that part of it is uh you know part of it you're right he doesn't play fillers level there's no question uh, but at the same time, that's what's great about a tournament like this. You've got short sets, you've got a bunch of pressure, and then you've got tight enough pockets to where if you're playing a guy like Abdullah who flinches and you're ready to take advantage, I mean, that's that's what makes this format so great. Is he, and, and and somebody like Abdullah could beat a better player out or something, and then all of a sudden you can get to the finals without – you know what I mean? He didn't play Dennis. He didn't play, uh, you know, Alvin, did he? I mean, he just, he just kind of – who did he play? Who did he play on the road to the finals? Low. Grave, 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 Shane, Dennis, Shane, uh, Abdullah, Mieszko, and then Josh. Okay, so Shane's a big win. Everybody else, I mean, he's obviously he beat him bad too. I think he beat him like seven two. I think he beat Shane. Yeah, yeah. So I, so it's like it's I'm I'm happy for him. uh, Maybe Shane did Shane get it back hill hill. I think yeah, he was maybe. up big on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shea was hill hill. Yeah, then he, he was up big and then he got back. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. billiarded into yeah, ball instead of getting shape on it. Yeah. And then yeah, he missed yeah. that one rail kick or that little twist safety. So anyway, I guess I think we're both we're both right. Like in the sense of like he he probably plays, you know, he was probably delivering he he was delivering his game as well. I mean, his game isn't as strong as the top players. You're right. The level of technical play wasn't as strong, but he was delivering his best game when it mattered under the heat again and again and again. And uh, and that's pretty impressive. So yeah. So I mean, it, it probably sounds like I'm dogging on the kid, and I don't know. Maybe I maybe I kind of am. Uh, but like sure. what I'm saying is like his mental ability is like his mental fortitude and his mental. Yeah, but Demetrius said it best. I mean, like you know, maybe the kid was just swinging. If you're free yeah. rolling, why not go and try to go for the knockout blow every time? Sure. Every I game mean, he no, won I, is – and that and that goes to show, you know, I talk a lot about this in my longer version pause or, you know, on my coach's corners I've got clipped. But it's like, you know, that's where having no expectations is really, really powerful. Uh, when you – because when people are in a spot where they feel like an underdog, where like, hey, I'm not supposed to win this. I'm just lucky to be invited. Let's see how it goes. It, it, it creates such a good state of mind where people feel like – I talk about it this way. 
the losses mean nothing. Misses mean nothing, but wins mean everything. So when players are in that state of mind where they're like, I don't expect every game I win is just like an awesome celebration. And if I could even win one match, that's great. And now I've won one match. I've already exceeded my expectations. Let's just keep going. So the question is that how do you maintain that no expectation mindset when you're a tournament favorite like Elvin or Shane? It's really hard to do it. But anyway, that's a totally different conversation. But I think that it's, yeah, it's, it's, Circum, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. If you if you would have made a list of guys you would have picked to go and make it or to win or even just to make it in the finals, Loho Sum would have been at the bottom of that list. Yeah, and I mean at the at the very bottom of that list, you know. But number he's got 24. the ability. Probably, a hundred percent, he would have been number twenty four. At least on my list, <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. a lot of other people. He would have been number twenty four. Um, yeah, I mean, and but I mean, he got there when he needed to. You know, he he delivered whenever he had to, and Crossed the finish line, and he did give Josh Hell. You got to give him a lot of credit for that because he oh, had absolutely. a he had he had a chance to go and, and like I said, I, I, I really like I sound like I'm probably that, that dogging Cinderella. on him. I sound like no, I'm dogging on, but like like really know. what I'm saying is like the the dude's mental fortitude towards the game. Like you can say he's freewheeling, he's you know taking a free swing, but like after like if you watch the Abdullah match that he played in, both of them missed. You know, there was some games where both of them would miss. There was a game where I think they both missed a six ball like three times each. And I don't care how much you're free rolling. Like if, if you miss it, if you miss, if you're missing that often, your confidence goes straight to the tank. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I don't know too many players who miss four balls and they feel more confident on the fifth. You know and what? The, what, I'll I'm, you, what I'm saying yeah. about, well, let me finish out quick. Cause yeah. like I, I've, I've been cut off like three times on this. Like the idea that like he's able to miss five, six, seven times in two, three games and still have the mental fortitude to close out these matches, match after match, after match, after match, like, there's something to be said about that. That's really, really impressive. And the, the, like, if you watch all of his matches until he got, until basically Mieszko, he, he did not play run out pool. He played grind it out, wear your opponents down and just, and just win. And that there's something. To That's be said what I, was that. I mean, I was agreeing with that because I tell you, I played, a, I'll never forget. I played a money match one time where I played, um, well, I'll, I'll say it was Jimmy Wetch. So Jimmy Wetch is uh, back in the 90s. He was our top pool player in Minnesota. He was ranked fifth in the world at one time. And this was probably early 2000s. He was still playing competitively. He played real well. And we were just playing some like 20 Iraq nine ball one day. And uh, and Jimmy's a better, you know, at the time he was definitely a better player than me. And the one thing that I realized we were playing on a night, we were playing on a really, really, really tight triple shim diamond with worn cloth. It was super brutal. And the level of play was not what you would expect watching one of the best players in the world. And and at the time I was playing pretty good pool, uh, but it was really gritty. It was like, nobody was stringing racks. It was like, every rack was like, there was not a lot. I mean, there wasn't even a lot of table runs from the one ball. Like we, somebody would run four balls and it would turn into a safety battle or somebody would miss and it would turn into a battle for the shot or, and there was multiple misses and multiple turnovers. And I remember getting really frustrated because I was like, man, I'm playing so bad. And I was feeling really discouraged about how I was playing. And Jimmy, who's better than me at the time for sure. Like didn't seem like he cared how bad he was playing. He just one shot at a time did what was in front of him. And at the end of the day, I really felt like he didn't beat me because he outplayed me. He beat me because he was less perturbed by the low level of play that I was. He wasn't because here, here's the thing is in my mind, I'm like, how do I stack up against a pro and how do, how good do I play? Whereas he's just looking at it like, I've got a job to do. So he's not assigning all this importance to the level of play. He's just trying to perform and do what's in front of him. And so I feel like with uh, Loho Sum, it's like he's not out there thinking like, you know, I'm supposed to be this top professional and never miss a ball. He's just like, what are my chances? 
what do I do now? And and I, I think that there's a lesson there, which is like, you can't get hung up on, you can't get beating yourself up or frustrated by a low level of play. Sometimes you just got to grind it out and win when you're playing bad. You know, I, as somebody once told me, anybody can win when they're in stroke, but only a champion wins when they're struggling, you know? I like it. I, I mean, I'm not sure where that comment, I, I said he played great against Josh. In the yeah, and I was just agree, I was agreeing with your comment I, about the mental fortitude. No, and how, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about one of the comments in the, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I said, he, I said he played great against Josh and he, he put up a great fight. I'm, I'm not really sure what you're listening to as far as that goes, but anyways, uh, regardless, I mean, I guess, um, I, I think if you'd have ran this, uh, this tournament a bunch of times, it's to get the, the three quarter or I guess at least two, uh, Mieszko had a great tournament. I, I guess that that needs to be said. To be honest, Dennis Arcoyo had a great tournament to, until he ran up into Josh. And let's give Josh a shout. I wanted to say the, my favorite shot of the tournament. So Josh Filler broke the balls great and got kissed to the side and was down like two nothing right away. And then you know he caught up and then would, it was nip and tuck for a while. In my opinion, one of the coolest shots I saw of the tournament was it was like seven six Josh. So we know if he dogs the ball here at 7-7, seven, seven, the other guy's breaking, uh, anybody can win. And Josh makes that rail first combo, that back cut rail first combo table length on the, what was it, the three, the one six or the three six? I think it was the three ball. He shot the three into the rail into the six ball. And uh, I mean, did you guys know a shot I'm talking about? Mm. You should pull it up um, here. I'll, I'll link it, Nate. Um, anyway, you know, we don't need to do it. Anyway, he, it was, uh, you talk about the combination. Say that again. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't so Filler, Filler was up seven six, and he had a shot. He took on a shot on the three six combination, like length of the table. Oh yeah, the six. Yeah, and the six was like it was on a good spot on the the, the long rail. It was. Like he played it rail first. Rail. All and I know is that when I saw him line insane. that up, when I saw him line that up, I was thinking like this to me. Like I know that the I like the way he played it rail first, and I know that the shot's playable that way. But to shoot a back cut length of the table rail first combo, I was just on a four inch hole. I was thinking like, man, I was like, I thought like the fact, I mean, it didn't even occur to me to go offense. I was thinking where he's going to duck. And I saw him line up that back cut. And I'm like, in those circumstances, that was one of the best shots I've seen this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that shot took me completely by separate. Like he was 100% office on offense on it too. Cause he was playing that ball to, to be able to have a shot. I thought he was honestly playing a short, uh, short off it so we can go thin off the one ball and just try to get it to the top, you know, kind of frozen to the top rail. I thought that was like the safety he was playing. And at that point, I'm like, well, why are you trying to go off that ball? It doesn't really make sense to me. I, I'm that I'm in your boat. Like, I'm just looking at that shot. I'm like, there's no offense here. There's no way you're playing the shot at this point in the match. Like, this is like, this is like the, the shot that got him eliminated from the, uh, the Whirlpool Masters. Like, it's like one of those shots that He's up big. Uh, was it against Albin? And he's up big against him. And all he's had to do is just play a, a you know, a safety. And that's one of those, the game on, one, he takes on a shot that's ill-advised. And it's one of those shots that if he, if he missed that shot, everybody like half the keyboard warriors of the country would have been like, he should have ducked there. That's stupid. Like he stretched for a shot and missed it. I saw on Facebook somebody was like, "What? He stretched for this shot and missed it. He should have ducked there and all this stuff." But it's like you know they don't anyway these guys shoot so straight that who's anybody in the keyboard audience to know what their actual percentages are because they filler. Now he may have had a spotty performance, but here's, there's two different kinds of spotty performance. One spotty performance is like every shot is off and you're struggling and you're overcutting and you're undercutting and your speeds off. And it's like everything, everything's off, everything's off. And then there's another spotty performance where you play damn near perfect with a couple of hiccups due to pressure. Like Josh, I would say it wasn't like everything was a little off. It was like, 
there was a couple blunders due to pressure, but the rest of the time, his overall striking is so sick that I just watched him. I'm like, yeah, he's going to make a couple blunders now and then because of the pressure of the circumstances. But like, I just, every time I watch Josh play, I'm just totally in awe of his striking. Yeah, it's, it's sick. So I guess looking at the tournament, who is, who's your big surprise? We'll say outside of Loho Sam, because I think we're all going to have that. And uh, who's your big disappointment? Mike, what you got? Um, Fortunsky was my surprise. I like, I like seeing him like step up, you know, because I think he's had a lot of expectations and it's good to go and see him like start to deliver on those. Um, as far as a disappointment, man, I don't know. That's, um, it's tough to say because it's, it's short race, you know, like I, I take a lot of positive things out of seeing Dennis, out of seeing the Cole brothers. Um, a lot of guys really, I don't think anybody really just outright dogged it. You know, I think those guys at the bottom half though, were just living the dream because <laughs> a lot of those heavy hitters were all up top, just knocking each other off round by round. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen, you know, Shane come back and then see what he can do in the next couple rounds, because you would have loved his chances from there, but it wasn't meant to be. And, you know, Loho Sum went and sealed the deal. Yeah, I, I think that the only surprise for me, I was a little, I was a little disappointed. Now they're mentioning Skyler. Uh, I was disappointed to see Shane lose. Uh, you know, I but I'll tell you what. When I heard, I didn't watch the match, but when I heard that Shane lost, I was immediately like, man, you know, come on, Shane. I was ho hoping for him to catch a gear. However, when I went and watched, like, uh, I just watched the highlights of that match. Shane actually played well physically, but he also played well mentally. Like he was present. He was doing what he needed to do. Um, he, you know, some things didn't go his way. He lost to a guy that got to the finals, and it's a race to seven. It's like you kind of understanding, especially I think the biggest surprise for me was Shane, Shaw, Albin to see. And, of course, I know it's short sets, but you still – I think, like you said, if you ran that tournament out a bunch of times, to see, to see you know, that number of top players not make it deeper in the tournament, I think that uh, I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, yeah I guess I – I can't be really upset with Jason because, like, if you I watched that match from start to finish, and Mieszko wins the lag, breaks and runs the first two. Uh, I think he misses the the nine ball after that to break and run the first three. I think he misses the nine ball. Jason, uh, I think Jason wins that game. Maybe r wins one more, and then Mieszko runs the set out. He runs five straight. I mean, how how is that disappointing? Um, he played same way. Oh man, the entire event. Yeah, yeah. And the same way with, uh, like, um, you know, there's a couple of Skies are disappointment. Like, if you want to say Sky was a disappointment in the World Championships, I'm, I'm all on board for that. I, I, I'm very much on board for that. For this one, I just, Joshua Filler was on a tear. I mean, the he dude was just, not going to be denied. He was 7 0 against Dennis Arcoyo. Who, who do you remember ever beating Dennis Arcoyo 7 0? I mean, Josh was on a magical run. And at the end of the day, like, uh, I just, I'm trying to come up if I if I have one disappointment and I kind of predicted this one. I mean, I got all my predictions wrong on this one, except for I expected Dennis Graba to to uh, to struggle with this because you know with this he's kind of has those loose mechanics. But like honestly, I was a little disappointed in his performance, and I don't want to say that like uh, Dennis, Dennis he went on kind of a hot street there for about three three or four months right before COVID. And then even a couple months after COVID where things started to open up and where he was honestly like knocking on the door of being in that, not elite elite tier, but you know, that, that second tier right underneath them. And 
we've now kind of seen Dennis fall off a little bit back to where he was before, you know, kind of he, he made that approach. And it's, to be honest, it's a little disappointing because I, I, I like to, I like Dennis and I like to see him up towards the top. I like his attitude. I like how like he just allows everything to be like worn on his sleeve. He, I think that's you fair. You see his emotions. You see his emotions. And I, and honestly, it's a little disappointing that, um, that we're not seeing uh, Dennis kind of take that next step and actually cement himself into that next tier. Yeah, my, my bank account was disappointed he didn't be low ho some on that. Yeah, yeah. I want to say hey to Billy Lassie from Wisconsin. Anyway, hey to hey, Billy. Uh okay, so uh and then I think that uh, I think that the pressure was just it's just it's it changes, you know, it's such a sick game, man. Race to seven, it puts at winter break. Yeah, the pockets are tight, so that you know, of course, there are some four back runs, but whatever. But not all that many. I mean, there's still a lot of there was still a lot of back and forth. There was more. Like we remember those sets and the blowouts and stuff, where like what Viesco did or what Filler did to Dennis. But like, there's there's many more sets where there's balls missed on both sides and there's a lot of back and forth. So I think it's a good balance. I like the format. I just think that the pressure is so intense that I just will say this. I have never been, I've been under pressure that most people don't understand. And I don't even understand the level of pressure they're under. I've been under pressure to the point where I've said it before, where the table doesn't even look like a rectangle anymore. It looks like some trapezoid out of your nightmares. I've been to the spot where you feel like your cue is like curved like a bow and the pockets look like they're moving where the object ball, you look at it one minute, all you can picture is overcutting it. So you wiggle your aim over and now you're undercutting it and, and you're on a shot clock, which did come into play a few times. And, and on four inch holes that are staring at you, but somebody that you know, I mean, there, it's, and you go out there, you prepare for this event, then you go out there and you feel like you've got one turn at the table. Like you're not going out there with a double elimination format with some back and forth people that are giving you extra chances. Like you're going out there. It's more like, it's almost like the only thing I could compare it to would be like the Olympics where you're going out there, single limb, one shot, M&M, palms are sweaty. It's, I just, I just want to take a moment and make sure everybody's on the same page that like, Things are going to go a little sideways, and we can't be too judgmental about some of the stuff that happens. Yep. Nope, I'm I'm with it. Uh, I mean, awesome. Uh, honestly, congratulations to Loho Sum. I think it's I think it's awesome. Hopefully, you know this this is a little bit of a spark, and maybe we see a little bit more out of him. Uh, pfft, Joshua Filler continues his tear. Um, I still don't think he's the best in the world. I, I'd push back on you, Mike. I still think that Alvin's the best in the world at this point. At least playing nine balls. If you want to talk about over, overall game, I agree with you. I think Josh, honorable mention to Fedor, uh, because you know we don't actually get to see them match up. But um, I, I think as, as far as overall game, Josh is he's he's really good. <laughs> it's an intense but, debate. I actually there was a SJM who's a stew from uh, AZ Billiards. Uh, anybody, anyway, he's a, uh, he had a post. I asked him about that because his opinion is that filler is the strongest nine ball player in the world right now. And he's dominated for the last, he's dominated more than anybody for the last like seven years. So I, I actually responded to him and I asked him about uh, filler. I mean, sorry, I asked him about Elvin. I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, a lot of people feel that, uh, Elvin, you know, might, might have that. And he said that, uh, here, I'm just going to read you. He says, he said, yes, Elvin's resume is superb, especially in the last two years. And two world pool championship golds and a silver in this era is almost mind blowing. That said, you know he hasn't won the U.S. Open or the China Open, the other two majors in this assess, you know, in, in my assessment. Throwing throw in the 2021 international nine ball, we're definitely talking about a Hall of Famer. But Filler's resume is much stronger. Now he's actually wrong. Elba did win the 2015 China Open. So anyway, the bottom line is they have very. I mean, Filler's won 
you know, all of these events. He's won the U.S. Open, the you know, the World Championship, the China Open, uh, you know, the World Pool Master. I mean, he's 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 completed the circuit. World Cup of Pool. So he's completed the circuit. Anyway, I don't. I wouldn't go so far as to say Filler is dominant over Elvin, but I don't think it's fair to to say Elvin's got the edge over Filler. I think it's as far as I'm concerned, they're the two hottest nine ball tournament players. You're splitting hairs. I mean, at the end of the yeah. day, like if, if you wanted to make a serious argument for Joshua Filler, am I am I strong enough or am I strong enough in my beliefs of Albin right now to like deter you from your position? No. Like, I, honestly, like if you want to say Josh and you want to argue with me, I'll be like, eh, OK, I'm OK with that. Like, <laughs> like I, I believe it's Albin, but I believe it's Albin by like such a small margin at this point that. Well, then I, I I used to wonder about guys like with the difference in styles. I, I used to sit around and wonder, like, would one guy maybe be more consistently at the top? Like maybe Alvin's style, he's more consistently getting deep, whereas Josh's style, you might not hear from him for eight months. Then he might catch a gear and win four majors in a row. And just the difference in play and the difference in style of play result in different distributions of wins and losses where there and, and maybe as a personal preference between if you like the guy that has the highest gear versus the guy that's the more steady guy. But in the end, yeah, it's it's all six of one half a dozen the other. They're both champions. For what sure. Do you think, Mike? No, I mean, I agree with you. You're splitting hairs. You know, you can't argue Albin's resume over the last, you know, 18 months. Um, you can't ar argue how dominating Filler can be at times, too. And he seems like he's just picking back up, you know, winning the Euro Tour and then backing it up with this one. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they're both going to be in the Moscone Cup. They're both just monsters. And But if they were gambling, give me Filler all day long. But well, I think – anything. yeah. Else. I was going to say, I think that the format matters because if they're playing triangle rack with tight pockets, uh, you know, of course, that's what they just did, maybe. But but in general, what I would say is that the more post rack play there is, um, you know, the, the less the break is a factor, the less balls are going in on the break, the more the tighter the pockets, the more post rack play. Now, filler moves great, but I think that he's a little bit it's almost like if you had to pick Shane versus Dennis in a long set, if it's a, if it's a game where it's like a lot of grind, tight pocket, you know, worn cloth triangle rack playing 10 ball maybe i think that dennis has more of a chance but if they're playing like new tournament cloth magic rack 10 ball shane's gonna blow them away i think filler has got such a big gear if they're playing any kind of format where there's a 40 50 break and run stat i think filler's gear is the guy i'd want to bet on in a gambling match but if they played a format where it was like a little bit grindier elvin just moves and manages so well that i mean that might that might change it a little bit although to mike's point you know uh, it's hard to ever want to bet against filler in a gambling match. I mean, yeah, I think I, I think I tend to agree with the, the gambling aspect of this, but like, I don't know that I even agree with your point there. Josh jumps the balls so good that I, I, I don't. Yeah, but I don't Al, know. Albin, Albin showed, or actually Josh showed, you know, that he can be just a little, a little loose with his decision making. That Albin's just not because. But over a race to hundred, you're going to get away with those a little bit more too. You won't you you won't necessarily in a race to seven, but you will in a race you in a race to hundred you can yeah. you can get loose. It's not going to affect you as much. I mean, I just we, we that, saw yeah, sorry. We saw what happened when he made the mistake in the World Pool uh, Championships against Alvin, right? I mean, he lost the match because of that. In a race to hundred, he's going to be able to fade stuff like that. I, I think that, that when I've watched Shane Shane's handles money pressure better. Yeah, and that's and that's yeah, true. I, I, I think when you look at Shane, though, when you look at Shane in the past, the gambling matches where he really dominated were set up to where. 
he could catch a gear and he could hit the Shane gear and start raining threes and fours and just break and run, break and run, break and run and catch these massive gears. Shane wanted to hit a high gear. It was like a different, it's like the difference in a track between a straight race or a, like the Indy 500 or something with a big track that only loops a little bit versus like an obstacle course. And I think that Shane is just a, a he's like a thoroughbred. He wants an open track where he can hit a high gear. And if he gets into a game like like one pocket or something where we got to like, you know, start and stop, start and stop, that's going to favor guys like Dennis or Alex. I think that Elvin does really go to the short set, you know, where you like every every game feels like Hill Hill. Maybe there's more post break play. But I think if you get an open track, I think Filler is just a faster runner in the long run. I think Patrick Mignola kind of brings up an interesting concept. Uh, Filler, Fedor, uh, Albin, Orcoyo, Shaw, and Shane in a round robin, a hundred thousand dollar entry fee, winner take all. Who do you? Isn't that exactly basically the the Premier League pool? I mean, no, the Premier League pool is dragged dragged out more. He's saying, and of course, than a man. I mean, the, the the money part of it adds, you know, uh, but it, it depends on how you format it. Because if you format it similar to the Premier League pool, which is Basically, you have what seven players round robin, and Listen, they eliminate. I mean, they're putting up a hundred thousand a man. They ain't playing no race five nine ball. Yeah, I yeah, guarantee of course, that. Of course. They're not, and they're not playing each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is the point: happening. is it kind of depends on how you format these. Because if you format it similar to like the Premier League pool, well, Alvin's already won that twice. He's the only winner of it, actually. Right. So, it just, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of an interesting concept and it kind of depends on how you format it, I guess, as to who the winner would be. But do you think that the short sets, I mean, Alvin is such a good mover and he's so good at moving. Uh, he's so good at handling pressure. Do you think that the short sets favor him? Like, it's almost like, does it change it to where like the sprinter has an edge versus like the marathon? Like, I feel like, like guys like filler do really, really well in long sets uh, where they can catch higher. There's more straightway and, you know, whatever. Do you, you know, where maybe like, for example, the, the rhythm and the confidence that Josh has in striking, you know, he's not going to tire himself out in a race to a hundred. Like if you had to, you know, is it just a gambling edge that filler has, or do you think that there's something about a format where the shorter the sets get, the better Alvin does. And then the longer the sets get, maybe guys like Sean filler that just have a little bit more loose and, you know, firepower, accuracy, big gears. And they, they're, they're not as burning up as much energy managing every decision. I kind of feel that Alvin, way. What do you think? Alvin, Alvin won the premier league pool race to five. And he won the world, uh, or and he got to to two finals back to back years in the the world pool championships race to eleven, so yeah. he can handle both. So I I don't know I don't I don't think it matters. Yeah, I think we'll leave it as a maybe, push. maybe it doesn't help. They're both they're both yeah. good enough. Yeah. So we're running long. Let's let's talk about the last topic quick, um, because it's, I guess we're gambling. Perfect perfect transition. Uh, Chris Reinhold made the comments uh, or made the Facebook post basically that he's looking for some more race to hundred action. Um, he kind of halfway respectfully called out Danny Olson, and Danny Olson res uh, respectfully declined it. Uh, Shane Wolford, however, did jump on there and say, uh, "You know, I'll play." And well, I don't know. I feel like we'll probably end up seeing that. They now they've already gambled twice, to my knowledge, in the last calendar, or basically since Derby City. Uh, what do you guys think? Who would you like to see Chris play? And if he does play Shane, what do we think of it? Well, and I want to just mention with Danny Olson. So when Danny Olson played Chris, they played with a template rack. Danny Olson won like a hundred to, was it 62 or 72? I don't remember, but he, Danny Olson won by a margin and his break and run percentage was really high. Like Danny broke and ran a lot of racks. Chris did not. Uh, and so I, it was almost like a contest to where 
Dandy had a dominant break, and then and then Chris was so up against it he couldn't really overcome it. Now, now during the rematch request, it was that was probably at least a year ago uh, that they played, and Chris rematches, you know, offers him a rematch with a triangle rack, which is a pretty big difference. And then, uh, and anyway, the reason I say that is because there were some people that were kind of hard on Danny, like, oh, what, you beat the guy once and now you're going to rematch him? They're kind of like acting like he's being a nit. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. It would be one thing if they were playing $20 sets at a local pool room. The guy wins a set and now it won't play a second set. Whatever. I mean, you call him what you want to call him. But this is like, first of all, it's a year later. Second of all, it's $10,000. And third of all, it's a different format with a, with a triangle rack. So to sit there and expect that Chris could sit there and practice his break for a year, switch to a triangle rack, and then expect that the guy owes you a $10,000 action. Just for the people that were saying that about Danny, like for Danny, it, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Danny might look at it like, hey, Chris is a hell of a tough match. Maybe he's a better player than me. I felt that I had a breaking edge that would allow me to be competitive with a template rack. So I took a shot. I got there. Now Chris is playing better. He's breaking better. I don't think I can beat him anymore. I don't think he owes him the action. And he certainly doesn't, you know, as a professional, as a semi-professional. He owe the action. He won $10,000 of his money. He damn sure owes him the action. And you know what? If the triangle rack is the deal breaker, then you better reply. I'll play you with a with the template rack and then see where the negotiations can go from there. But 100%, it's it's completely nitty to go oh, and give wow. back. To, to not go and give the guy courtesy action back when you lose 10 grand and you beat him. It wasn't like it was a 10-game spread. The guy beat him by 40 games-ish, somewhere in that range. I don't remember exactly, but it was close to 40. And for I, think you to go and, I think it was 38. For you to go and say no, come on, man. Well, okay, so I got I've got a two follow I've got two follow-ups. So my only well, the one thing I was gonna say is these guys are you know to be Danny Olson, to be like a you know semi I mean, he's a full-time player, but like he's not making a full-time income. He's out there working hard. He don't have 10 grand to light on fire if he doesn't like a game. So I'm I don't know that, that, match. Match. that match. But but I think so so what's the statute of limitations? What if Chris had come back five years later? What if he came back 10 years later? Is At what point do you he not owe the guy action? Like King Kong, he beat Shane McMahon. What are we talking about here? I mean, don't get me wrong. Chris played phenomenal. But, I mean, you you just beat the guy 12 months ago by 40 games. At, don't come back with that response and expect to be like, okay, Danny, thanks thanks anyway. Hell no. Well, he I'll play, play with the Temple of Rack and let's go dance. Well, maybe Danny thought he was getting in the ring and he was like total underdog. He had some backers. He was going to shot take a little bit. He got he got up. He stepped up. Something good happened. And he's I don't know. I just I I, I guess I disagree. I feel hey, like you better, you you better start rolling up some quarters to get that money together after you beat that man by forty games. I don't care who you got to go and lie, steal, and cheat, and lie. I, I don't care. You you do whatever you got to go and do to get that money together after you beat that man by forty games. Forty. What do you think, Nate? Who wants to go and play you again? What do you think, Nate? Oh, I can't hear you. This is like the first time in hang on, Nate, we can't hear you. Oh, I was gonna say this is the first this is the first time in podcast history. I've wanted to hear what you say. I'm just in your fake, I'm just in your fake talking. Um I I mean, okay, so I have two things. Um I have two ways of looking at this. I I am not of the mindset that anybody owes anybody anything when gambling that includes running it back. So when people come in, you know, I don't like gambling to begin with both. Um, well, at least for me playing, I, I just don't, I don't enjoy gambling. I don't think that it's for me. So I really don't like the idea that uh, if you take 50 bucks off somebody, you are then 
forced to run it back. I, I and then and then if you lose, you're forced to play again because you can't quit even. So now you're forced to play another one. Well, if you lose that one, now you're chasing it again, uh, or or you might want to chase it. And if you lose it, the guy feels like that he earns his you know a shot of his money back again, and, and it just gets into this like long. 60 there's hour a, there's battle. A, there's a one line. It's a one liner. The guy, there's a one liner where a guy quits ahead. Somebody says, You can't quit ahead. He says, If you can't quit ahead, when can you quit? <laughs> like, it's like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so like, I, I don't like the idea of this, like, this idea that we we somehow owe people an opportunity when gambling. Like, the, you That's put your money up. Courtesy action. You give the man well, courtesy yeah. action back, especially after you beat him by 40 games, boys. Well, 40 games. Again, I don't like the idea of owing anybody anything when you're gambling money because Vegas doesn't own me, or I don't owe Vegas anything if I take money from it, and it sure as hell doesn't owe me anything if it takes money from me. So I don't see why we owe it to somebody else. Now, with that being said, hell yeah, you should play it. What the what what's what are you worried about? Like you won by forty games. What are you gonna win by ten this time? Where where where's the like? If Danny has a reason outside of like just not wanting to to play the game because maybe he doesn't he feel said like he wanted to play well somebody right else he said he well, wants yeah, to well, play the, somebody else well, and that's what i was going to get to hell yeah you hell yeah you should be playing chris reinhold because who else are you going to play like if you're trying to like knock people off you're like uh you're trying to cr- basically just go around and grab scalp chip compton sure, that's he's great. supposed to play chip compton next well he doesn't want to wa- that. i'll you, tell you that i'll say you better watch you better watch you who you call that. out I no i'm think, saying uh, danny yeah. play chip compton that'd be fun no, 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 he doesn't. Uh, so at the a end little, of the day, no, at the end of the day, right. if it's three games. If it's three games, he's got every right to be nitty. At least, at least it's more acceptable for him to be nitty if it's by three games. But it's by forty games, man. I don't know. 40. I, I, I still think you'll have a lot of people that say, "Well, it was close. You should run it back and give him a chance at his money back." I mean, the, this is the point. Like, I have a problem with gambling. Is like everybody thinks that they have a reason to continue gambling, and it's because, like, at the end of the day, you're gambling because you're like mostly a degenerate, right? Like, of course, you can do responsible gambling. I'm not saying that well, you can't. But like, the most clean cut boys on earth. What are you talking well, about? and I think that well, I, but their backers aren't. That's that's kind of they're not posting the money for right. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But the point is, is like the people who are putting these games on just want to gamble. They want to gamble all the time. And I'm like, I'm not calling degenerates in like a sense of like they're they're scraping or anything like that. They they like the gamble. That's why they're putting the money up. They they want to see the gamble, whether it's that or whether it's you know putting fifty down on blackjack. It doesn't doesn't change the fact that like you want to see the gamble. And I just think it's a very dangerous thing to get into the idea that you have these unwritten laws when it comes to gambling. Well, and I thought that to Nate's point, I thought the whole reason of doing the whole poster and the two man tournament and 20,000 in the middle, I thought in my opinion, like I agree that there's, there is some gambling etiquette. Like if you go to a poker table, win a huge pot, your first hand, you're not supposed to get up and leave right away. If you're playing a guy $50 sets and you win two sets and then the guy wants to go, you know, play one last and you say, Hey, I only got time for one more. They want to double or nothing. Give them a chance. I mean, there's, there's some, now that doesn't mean you should be kicked out of pool or banned from the WPA. If you don't, it's just kind of an etiquette thing. But I thought the whole reason of negotiating this poster was to say, hey, we're instead of doing like, I'm not going to sit here and play you $10,000 sets where we're going to go again and again and again. I'm going to play you all night and flip the coin and all this. I just, but I'm willing to get in the ring one time for this event, you know, one time only two man tournament. I, I feel like that kind of week. I felt like it was like, something. I thought it suspended the rules of typical gambling etiquette and agreed on a one time. It's like, it's almost like if you tell a guy at the pool hall, he wants to play a set for 500. You say, Hey, listen, I've only got time for one set. 
I'll play a one race to 13 for it, win or lose. And then he's like, okay. And then you win a set for 500. Then the guy's like, double or nothing. It gets mad if you quit. It's like, hey, we agreed on one set. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean, I guess we, we need to get this wrapped up. Uh, yeah, let's go to Danny really and long. let's go to Wolford. Yeah, go ahead. I, Who do you I like, Chris I, against Shane? Chris. Chris. Wow. I, I like Chris. I, I like Chris um, if it's within the next three to four months. Shane is improving faster than any other U.S. player right now, I believe. So I'll assess this again, basically from a month to month. Um, I guess. All right, I'll I'm gonna like right now. Yeah, right now I say Chris. I'll take Wolford. I think that um, you know, now to be fair, I haven't played Chris. And I haven't seen Chris as much recently, but you can learn a lot. Like I will admit, I'm talking. I played one set against Shane Wolford at the Derby this year, and just one. And you can say, well, so anybody can play a good set. But that's but there's a difference between watching somebody play. I've seen I've seen lower rated players than uh, than Shane Wolford play sets better than that against me. I mean, I've had people like I mean, not to say Hunter Lombardo's not much lower rated, but like Hunter played a set on me once. He beat me like nine to zero, nine to one or something at Turning Stone. He played a really airtight set. I've had people that are you know that I've had a lot of people play higher level sets uh, than what Shane did to me. But the way Shane did it, I it was like live read. I'm in the. I, it was so it was so intense that after that one set, I'm like, yeah, Shane's Shane's stronger. Shane is stronger than almost anybody I've competed against. That's it. Yeah, and Mike had to run, and we're going to be running out of here too. But um, yeah, yeah I, I I still think that uh, while he's coming up, and I think he's improving faster than any other U.S. player. Like I said, I still think that he hasn't gotten to quite to where Chris's level is. And yeah. you know, I, I like I said. It, it, Two months from now, I might I might push back and say, nope. I think that Shane has passed him. Um, it's a matter of time for me. It's not it's not a matter of if. It's a matter. This of This is one where I don't really want to gamble. Have like I wouldn't want to bet big on Chris. I wouldn't want to bet big on Shane. What I'm looking to do is steal. So I'm going to try to find somebody on uh, AZ Billiards that's offering a big odd spread with some game handicap or something. And maybe if I can get ten, you know, get I either I don't know even know if I want games on the wire because I feel like Shane wins. Your money in like 15 games. Yeah. Like I feel like if Shane wins, he's just going to win. Little, I, yeah. I don't, you know, if Shane wins, he's going to win. So I just kind of feel like if somebody wants to give me three oh, to yeah. two, maybe I bet a little bit on Shane, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I need a little yeah, help. I, I need a little help because we know he's the other day. Right? If they play a race a hundred, I'll just take 10 to one on my money. And, you know, maybe. Yeah. I mean, if it's, it's, it's we all know it's, we all know that. Yeah. We all know Chris is the favorite, so somebody's got to give me some odds. Speaking of nits, hey, <laughs> have you met Demetrius? Hey, man. You know, okay, funny funny story for the audience. This is real short. I was woofing. With, I, I wasn't woofing. I was defending myself against the guy who was woofing. There's a guy that woofs at me from time to time. And this guy, I think he's a total go-off degenerate gambler. He thinks I'm a total nit, right? So anyway. This must be MPJ. So I'm, I'm telling it's it's uh so once so, so he he says to me so one yeah, time we're we're lining up a big money game <laughs> and uh and you know we're playing it for a substantial amount probably more than I've ever played for before and he, we're trying to line up some big game and he starts calling me a nit and I said you know you're right I am a nit I absolutely am a nit I said I would never bet more than like five dollars unless I know I've got the stone cold nuts so what does it tell you that I'm about to play for that much money like you're the one that loses every week going off to different people like if I'm getting in the ring with you. You're right. I am the nit. So, what does that tell you about this matchup that we're about to participate in? <laughs> anyway, kind of a funny story. And how, and how much money does this person owe you? So the uh, the other the other story <laughs> is, the other story, and you guys are gonna love this. Is one of my favorite stories. So the other one was uh, I, I I I promised I would never tell a story, but here it is. It's too funny. 
this there was somebody that went off at a casino one time and lost all their money and uh kind of got drunk and lost everything they had and so the next day they woke up hung over and blacked out and don't know where their, their six grand is or whatever and uh and i caught and i heard about that i'm like man that's too bad you know that's too bad so anyway i'm sitting there at the blackjack table in between matches playing 10 bucks a hand and i was sitting there with josh burble we're in between matches we're playing 10 bucks 10 dollar blackjack and i see this person kind of walking towards me and uh and i know that i know what just happened i know that they just went off and lost their six grand and I, I know that this person thinks I'm a total nit too. Anyway, this person walks by and they say, uh, how you boys doing? And I looked over and I said, I, you wouldn't believe it. I am getting tortured. I'm probably down 40 or $50 right now. It was to this day. That was, it just brings me joy. Like I know the guy stuck six grand. I mean, it just, it just, never mind. <laughs> I hate you a little bit more just for telling that story. All right, all right. Take me out. Can you cut this from when you put the pot? Can you cut this last 10 minutes from the podcast? I don't want. No. No, too late. All right. No. Why would I Amen. do that? That's silly. Funny right. stuff, man. Pool's a funny Let's game. Let's get out of here. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in again. Uh, I guess until until next week, I guess, huh? All right. You got it, Nate.